0: Welcome to Creators and Consumers of Open Source. I'm Joe. I'm the host as well as one of the founders at RVL. This is a podcast just for the open source community where we're going to talk about maintainers and people who are actually make this better. So, thanks for tuning in. We have a really fantastic guest lined up today. So, let's go, guys. I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah, Kishore, Kishore and uh, Jason, thanks for being on the show. Um, this is actually a podcast purely for open source maintenance. You know, talk about their story. You know, what, what what are you guys building? How do you sort of amplify your voice? So, you know, like, first of all, thanks for taking time. I know being maintenance are like super, super busy schedule. So thanks for being on the show. Yeah,
1: happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, happy to be here.
0: If you guys actually want to like, know, sort of give your, you know, 30 second elevator pitch to the audience. What is TypeSense and why should people, you know, s- start using it? This is your type.
1: I I can go. So TypeSense is a open source search engine that's built for what we call search as you type experiences. Uh, So we've built it both for performance on one side and also for ease of use, for developer friendliness. Uh, We want it to be as simple as uh, possible to be able to implement search on your site or apps. Like that's the, those are two focus areas that we, uh, optimize for. If uh, people are familiar with Algolia or Elasticsearch, we'd like to de- describe ourselves as the open source alternative to Algolia, or the easier to use alternative to Elasticsearch. Uh, and those are things, especially if you use Algolia or Elasticsearch, this generally clicks with, uh, with people because each of these platforms have their own quirks and, and, and shortcomings that we're trying to bridge
0: with, uh, with TypeSense. Got it. Are you guys ex-Googlers? Why, why do you actually stumble upon, you know, Typesense?
2: <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, as with always these ideas, right, it always starts with like a uh, something at the back of your head, a small niggle, uh, some personal pain point. Uh, and uh, so if you look at the search landscape uh, in broadly four or five years ago, like uh, 2015, 16-ish time, um, uh, Elasticsearch was, I think, four or five years into the, uh, into the picture. Uh, there was solar um, those were the like open source search solutions and uh, uh, and at least back then the learning curve was pretty steep To like to if you want to have like a small search as you type experience or like just plain search right um, on one hand you had like really simple um, everybody knew how to do this on like like regular records on database but the search wasn't like really great. And then you had these focus tools open source on a base for, for you to do search. Uh, but uh, they were not they were having like a very high steep learning curve. So 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 we started like it began like a research project. We started thinking surely there must be a better way to do this. It must be a easier, faster way to do this. Right. So and uh, like very bottom up, uh, there was no like grand plans to like open source or like, you know, try and build a company around that. None of those things. So just uh, Weekends and uh, nights, kind of thing, uh, and, and as you know, like you know, building a search engine is not like an MVP that you can throw together in a weekend or in a hackathon, right? It uh, just to get like bare bones working, it took like two two and a half years, uh, and um, and then uh, and then we open sourced it. Um, then we started getting like a lot of community feedback, and it has been growing uh, since then, purely driven by like what people want
0: fantastic uh just to out of curiosity so i think you know uh, my understanding Elastic's actually built on lucene right so you, is it like your stack completely built from scratch or do you have any in, in things that actually like you know build on i mean is it like a you know, evolution of something else
2: TypeSense is built from scratch uh, we use c uh, and uh, um so like right from like if you look at elastic as you said it uh, lucene is the underlying library it's uh, it's java uh, uh, but with TypeSense, uh, uh, right from the engine, the lowest level engines like the inverted index and so on, uh, uh, everything is built from scratch. Uh, so it gives us like really good uh, tight control over, you know, you, we can optimize the stack all the way down.
0: Yeah, I want to actually understand more about CPP. Like, right? uh, what what is that advantage you actually you know you know give to the end customer? And and how 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 hard is actually like, you know I mean to actually you know start from you know CPP?
2: like back back then like 5 years ago um i think uh, c++ and c if you want to like really write high performance low level systems like search, uh, those were like the uh, go to, I, I will not go into the merits and demerits since then like Golang has become popular, Rust has become uh, popular and uh, they have tried to address some of the shortcomings of both I think C, C++ and also the older generation if I might say those languages, uh, but uh, I don't regret one bit uh, like you know investing in C plus, there is a huge ecosystem, uh, if you can't find something in C plus you will find it in a, if you will find it as a C library, there is good interoperability um so, uh, and we have been able to like be pretty productive with that i feel um maybe you could say stockholm syndrome uh, but uh uh but yeah it's what it is and uh, certainly i don't regret i go back if i have to make the choice i will do i'll use uh, I'll, I'll go for it and uh, um and and these are like very mature uh, tooling around it right they produce like really compact really high performant uh, binaries like um uh, with uh, they talk you are able to like pull for mul- multiple architectures and they are very optimized. Um, so yeah those uh, th- and, and not having a garbage collected uh, language uh, means that yes you have to manage memory on your own but you also for a very latency sensitive application like search you have like a like very fine gain con- control over that and and if you notice that's why like even games and you know wherever you need uh, like a lot of uh, like latency sensitive applications they use C++ or C yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think uh my discussion with Jason, Jason mentioned about, you know, your supply chain, like the scale, I mean the, the sort of libraries you guys use. I think that's what's an interesting story for me as well.
1: Right, right. Yeah. So uh the the other benefit that we have is that there are so many mature libraries out there in the open source ecosystem in C that specifically have been battle tested. And I think that's something that we're able to capitalize on as we're you know, as we're uh, uh, building up types, and so for, you know, two big examples I would say are the Raft library that we're using. That is used by uh Baidu. They used it in production at scale, and then they open sourced it, and we are able to take uh, advantage of that. Uh, and writing your own Raft library is not the easiest task. Uh, sure. I mean, you could even get away with writing one academically, but then running it in production is a whole other thing. Uh and even with the raft library that we're using from baidu we're still finding all these little tiny edge cases that you run into at scale at high volume that you know that you know in our particular use case that we're running into that we report upstream and get fixed so i'm glad that we didn't have to do the su- such a big heavy lift of building our own draft library and and that's thanks to us using uh, c++ the other li- example would be uh, our http server uh, that's used by the HTTP layer in sense. that library is used by like fastly in all of their edge servers. So we're able to take advantage of that. So the, that's another example. So now of course there's a pros and cons to everything on the flip side, C plus is not the most trending language uh, as well these days. So it's hard to attract, uh, additional, uh, contributors into the project. Uh, you know, it's easier to attract uh, contributors to like your JavaScript or your, you know, Golang and, and, uh, uh Rust compared to C But, uh, I think what we've optimized for, like Kishore was saying is for performance and for, and as a nice side benefit, also the mature libraries that exist in the uh, C plus plus ecosystem, uh, and together put both of these together. I think we've come out with a much stronger product and a much more performant product that we would have been otherwise able to build had we
0: chosen something else, like, you know, five, six years ago uh, when we started this out. So uh, just to actually, you know, sort of, you know, slightly deep, I mean, go deeper. So you talk about the performance, you know, there are a couple of aspects, right? I mean, the, the architecture, I mean, the algorithms, right? You guys actually, want, like, you know, go, go take a swing at that and sort of, you know, explain why, you know, you guys, you guys actually have such a huge advantage or like, you know, I mean, your long-term future, like, you know, I mean, why, why does it actually make sort of sense for the users?
2: So uh, if you look at TypeSense, um, I mean, if you look at any search engine at the heart of it is an inverted index and uh, basically that's where you begin with Uh, and with uh, TypeSense, one of the things that uh, I think it's special is our inverted index can do like really fast, uh, fuzzy lookups of the search queries uh, because if you look at search like with small screens, with mobile phones, um, uh, it's almost like a must-have feature to be able to like uh, correct on user-made typos when you make your searches. So um, so we use a try instead of a traditional hash map for a, as an inverted index and uh, our try is basically the hash map wherein the keys can be like traversed and so we are able to do um, like you know typo based traversals like as you traverse the try you are able to like uh, maybe like remove a token remove a letter from your query and try to find if if there are other words that can match your queries and so on and then we are able to rank uh, the results based on that um, I will say that's and also the fact that typesense entire index is on memory Versus if you look at the previous generation search systems, uh, they did not have the luxury of using, uh, you know, so much memory, right? Um, uh, but memory has been cheap getting cheaper and it's only going to get cheaper and you can get like multi terabyte RAM machines on AWS these days so um, So we have optimized heavily on in-memory data structures and and um, to max to like really speed things up. And we use the disk primarily only to like keep a uh, like a for persistence. So you, your raw records are stored on the disk uh, and when types and starts up we recreate all the uh, indexing related data structures in memory. And um, yeah so yeah I think the f- the very carefully hand optimized data structures like the try and you know like keeping them in memory and then uh, and our ability to do. Um, like sorting through all of those and to find your top k top n uh, uh results i think that's where the magic really is putting all of these together and uh, and like you know serving it
1: yeah and, and to add to that I, I think what that allows people to do uh on top of that is uh search as you type experiences so every key press we're able to return results in like you know uh maybe maximum of 500 milliseconds or most of the time we aim for sub 50 millisecond searches uh, and that architecture combined with it being in memory is what allows us to build those types of experiences and once you get used to a search as you type experience it's hard to go back from it where you know you search and then you press enter that feels so old school once you start get getting used to the fact that you get results almost instantly
0: definitely i think that's an addiction right i think google actually spoiled everyone out there so you can't actually go back on that experience <laughs> But yeah, they cool, did roll sure.
2: back. But they did roll back instances too. Back, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe it doesn't work for Google scale. So I can imagine like doing 10 billion, 50 billion documents. Yeah, it's going to be tough.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So this is actually the most exciting part for me. I want to hear your story. So, I mean, like the timeline, It's it's been six years, right? So I think just, you know, like, how do you guys know each other? You know, how do you guys, like, you know I mean? Hey, you know what? Let's actually build out this project and, like, you know I mean? Make it a company. Like, I want to hear all the story now.
1: So we've been, we've known each other, what, for 15 years maybe now, Kishore? So, yeah. Wow. Uh, so we met in undergrad. We went to the uh, same college together. Uh, and since then, we've been scheming and plotting different ideas of of things that we want to build and and i think over the years we've now built over uh i should say maybe 11 or 12 different products uh wow you know some of them gain good traction uh some of them and all of this nights and weekends by the way so we were still both working full-time at other places uh and i'd say throughout this our entrepreneurial journey was a nights and weekends thing for the last decade or so or actually more than a decade uh and and so i i moved uh, to Los Angeles uh, about a decade ago, and we still kept in touch, uh, continuing to work on things. Uh, so we've kind of been a remote distributed team before this was even a thing you could say <laughs> uh, from, from from that perspective. Uh, but we learned a lot, you know, through all these different products. And I, I would say what we're able to execute this fast with TypeSense is the sum total of all of the different products that we've tried and and you know the things that we learned uh, along with it so in uh, 2015 is when you know uh, uh the idea for hey maybe a new search engine could be an interesting thing came out uh and then in 2018 uh we uh decided to open source it we put it up on uh hacker news and that was uh and i forgot exactly how we described it the first time uh, maybe it was, we said open source search, lightweight, yeah, search. open source search engine,
2: I think. Yeah. Blazing uh, and fast that, open source search. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and that made it to the front page and we were like not expecting it, but it was quite, uh, the validation that we needed at that point that there is a need, there is an interest at least from the community that for, uh, for a product like, uh, TypeSense. Uh, and then, uh, I think a couple of months later, maybe we posted it on product hunt. Uh, and that made it to the product number four of the day Uh, and again given all of the general consumer facing products that are uh, that are posted on product hunt uh, we were delighted that a developer focused tool was you know made it to the top Uh, and again all of these was more validation and more uh, encouragement for this for us that there is a need for uh, for something like this Uh, and so meanwhile people slowly were starting to discover it uh, you know organically through these posts and uh, were asking us features, and we were adding it very slowly over time, uh, and I think where the real uh, 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 spike, I would say, in interest came is when, in 2020, we posted, uh, we, we we'd built, you know, um, uh, many features, and then in 2020, we posted it as a open source alternative to Algolia, and that seemed to click with the community and and you know we made it to the front page uh this time we stayed there for like 24 hours and uh we had about 445 points uh and i think at one point we had probably 10,000 concurrent users looking at the types and site uh so it was it was like fantastic validation that okay we have probably Touched a you nerve there, there yep, with the yep, position. You guys are there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. uh, and, and I think it's it's a function of a happy coincidence where, I mean, Algolia is a great product, but I think over time, they've also been raising their prices uh, to the point where some people are unhappy. And 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 I think that might have got, gotten something to do with people excited about an open source alternative. Yep. Uh, and I, I should say, uh, on the other side, also, thanks to Algolia for educating the market on what... Good search could look like because yes. coming from Elasticsearch, Elasticsearch into an instant yes. search uh, yep, yep. uh world with ease of use is like you know night and day difference. Uh, so I think all of these things put together that resonated well, and and then slowly Algolia users were started asking us for features that existed in Algolia, and we started adding those, and and uh, you know then again because we were attracting a lot of Algolia users, people wanted a SaaS. Uh, a version of the uh, product as well. They didn't want to self host a uh, uh, type sense, and we figured, okay, let's let's do that because people are asking. Uh, so anyway, so and then so we launched this. This was in twenty twenty all like uh, uh, that's when we saw our our biggest growth, and in twenty twenty is when I left my full time job uh, because we were starting to see a good amount of traction and and I wanted to capitalize on the opportunity uh, and then. Kishore uh, left his full-time job in twenty twenty one earlier this year, uh, and we're now all in, uh, fully focused on TypeSense. So we're super excited about that.
0: Fantastic. Uh, I have a couple of tangents to go deeper on that. One, you mentioned about uh, mentioned uh, in one of our discussion. I mean, even though Algolia is your short-term, uh, you know, like I would say like a reference, long-term that's not what you what you guys want to be, right? So do you want to actually go more on that bit?
1: Yep, yep. So yeah, so I see Algolia right now is, I mean, Algolia has been custom built for very specific use cases, uh, I see. uh, For example, their market primarily is e-commerce. Right. uh, And everything from their, you know, the kind of features that they have, the the kind of pricing model that they have, everything is geared towards that market. uh, Right. And... To me, that's diff- when you're building an open source product, it has to be generic enough. Uh, uh, and I look at TypeSense as more like a generic data store that's optimized for fast retrieval. So, you know, for example, if you're building a database, you're not gonna be building e- an e-commerce database. You're right. building a database that can be used for many different purposes. And yep. that's where I see TypeSense being different from Algolia in that, we're building a gen- generic data store that's, that you can put index data and, and retrieve records fast and with typo tolerance and all these features. Now, right now our feature set makes it look like we're, you know, we're, a, we're, we're on you know, trying to be feature parity with Algolia, which, you know, we are because people are asking us for right. those features. But we're not trying to be hyper specific about any one vertical. We want this to be a generic enough product that if you want search, you you use uh, 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 TypeSense, and that's what I would say. Something like Elasticsearch has done is that they're not, you know, a, a search engine for X. They are a search engine. Period. Uh, and I see TypeSense more along the lines of Elasticsearch from in terms of how we wanna how broad of a As use a case that we want TypeSense to be uh, to be used for. So, uh, so from that perspective, you know though our short-term goal is because people are asking us for feature parity with Algolia, though we're pursuing that right now, I think for the long term, we'll start deviating from the feature set that Algolia has, uh, uh, again, based on, you know, how the, the market reacts. Definitely. We, yeah, how the exactly. market reacts. And, as and people yeah. have already started asking for stuff that Algolia doesn't have. Uh, and you know, it's now a question of prioritization. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. And the other thing I will add to that is also this whole thing about a uh, building for the fortune 5 million, as you know, uh, we, we like to say, uh, like, you know, fortune 500 and you know, like, um, there are like tons of uh, software that focus on that, uh, web scale and all that, yeah. right? But um, really for like 90% of 98, 95% of the people who are starting out, um, uh, they don't, that's a happy problem that they would like to solve when they have more money, more customers more money. and more growth, right? Uh, you don't want that from day one. So... One of the things we are very um, uh, careful about is to make sure that that s- we are catering well to that f- Fortune 5 million, like the rest of us, yep. uh, who don't really have uh, like a uh, like a like a petabyte uh, uh, storage data. Uh, problem <laughs> to solve, right? right. So um, that's that's another thing. And uh, and if you look at bro- if you look at it broadly, we will uh, we kind of let the market drive our product our roadmap and decision and and and, uh, and, and people. And, and if you've seen this happen over and over again with like in, in even our, our previous products like you put something out there yeah. uh, people are going to expand the boundaries of what that product can do and like stretch it in very interesting ways and and you know they kind of uh, lay the road and lay, lay the like a roadmap for you right and uh, and we want to f- follow that we've started with this because that's the most obvious thing to do and uh, we're already seeing like a lot of interesting things that people are people are doing with it which we probably wouldn't have envisioned it, but and we want to play along so long it doesn't deviate very much from our uh, like core uh, engine and doesn't make it complicated. And again, we fall into that trap of like you know, uh, like you know, not really focusing for the masses.
0: Yeah, so that I mean I have a different question, but I'll come back to it. But that's the interesting bit you mentioned, right? I think the roadmap, right? Being an open source company uh, versus actually a closed source, where actually you decide most of the you know your roadmap, right? Like, how do you decide the roadmap?
1: yeah so right now it's basically whoever uh, uh is asking the most for a feature so uh you know a simple metric we go off of is like the number of thumbs up or the number of comments on an issue uh and like you know one key example of that is geo like people have been asking us that for so long and so many people regularly comment on that and, and thumbs up on that and uh so that's something that we you know that we're about to launch uh, uh, pretty soon so uh, that's that's one big driver and of course we also offer uh, uh prioritized support uh, for folks so that's another angle uh that we use to prioritize as well uh if some if a paying customer ha- is running into some blockers or needs a particular feature uh, and it fits within the overall vision of the product then uh then then we tend to prioritize that uh as well uh and then uh the la- last thing is we you know we always like to take big swings and if someone brings up an interesting use case uh we say okay that could be an interesting thing you know just just for uh uh just for the you know again intellectual uh curiosity we we want to explore some things uh and those like those become like r d type things that we that we play around uh uh, uh on the side so it's a it's a mix uh right now that's also a function of the type of users that you know visit us if any given month uh, or so. uh so the the and because of this actually one side effect of this is that people have been asking us for a public roadmap uh, yeah. for so long and so many people it's, are asking for it it's a but default
0: what, for open source uh, company right <laughs> <laughs> yeah and
1: the the hard thing for us is that because things are moving around so much that uh, that you know uh, our roadmap is i'd say probably crystallized for next three or four weeks but beyond that it's like you know it's up in the air like we generally know what we need to tackle but then if someone comes along and says oh we found this issue or we need this particular feature uh then you know we are definitely going to prioritize that uh, especially if it's a paying customer for example uh so you know it's a it's a delicate balance and then you know suddenly. There's a new use case that's that is that people have figured out and suddenly that is getting interest from the community we don't want to lose out the momentum that uh someone in the community is in like if someone is investing time in researching and giving us feedback then uh that's something that we also tend to invest uh time in like a case in point is we're implementing uh, support for uh, chinese japanese and korean and neither of us know the language but then uh, any of these languages but then we have active folks in the community using the uh, product in these languages and then telling us that hey here are examples that don't work and they've also gone to the effort of looking at how other uh, products have handled uh, 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 tokenization in these languages and are giving us suggestions and like that type of collaboration anytime we see that in an issue that's another, you know, uh, we'd hate to lose momentum of getting feedback like this. So we tend to, you know, jump on those uh, issues, issues as well. So, again, it's, it's very hard to, which is why it makes it very hard to predict what the roadmap looks like, you know, two, even two months from now. Uh, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but so far it seems to be working well
0: for us. Uh, I would actually, you know, I mean, um, so what is your North Star? So when you, when you decide upon like your roadmap, like, what's your North Star for you? How do you actually like, know I me? Mean, like, hey, this is actually how we actually want, like know. Align type sense. I mean, being it's a tightrope.
2: The- yeah, it's a tightrope between. Um, see, the thing is, uh, with a, such a very highly technical project, uh, you're going to have some features that are going to, like, you know, require massive ref- massive refactoring to your internal data structures, and 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 we are like designing a data store. At the end of the day, type sense is a data store, so we have to be very careful. Like, you do not break. Uh, existing data compatibility. We are proud in the fact that um, we are at zero point two zero version now, and uh, we have customers using us from like zero point one zero, like one 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 two one three. They have upgraded. Uh, some of them have skipped four five versions, so went from one one to one six, uh, then one six to two zero, and then they've never had any issue so far, right? So, so we have to be very careful. It's a tightrope between, um, you know, like um, one. So if you say our north star one of the things is we we want to like keep moving without breaking stuff yeah. like okay. uh, uh, that's like really important to us we do not want to break backward compatibility we don't want to introduce bugs that will result in data loss and, and and while we do that we kind of mix uh, a balance between like making progress on the smaller issues that like little niggles that like usability issues that people run into for example we had an optional field in type sense uh, uh, certain fields can be defined as optional but we did not allow that field value to be null uh, okay. we d- required that field to not exist in the document but it was uh, it was null right so so this is a very small feature it's uh, maybe a day of work to implement that Uh, So we balance between those small things and the large things that I was telling you that will require a lot of careful uh, development time to ensure that we don't mess it up. Uh, So it's a tight, tight, tight walk between those two things.
0: Got it. So the heart of it, actually, you know, I mean, uh, we won't screw up. The customer data. <laughs> yep, it's right,
2: super right. important for a data store. <laughs> yeah, for a data store, you want to be very careful. But we are, what uh, one, like, whenever I think of the pressure of, like, you know, having to deal with this pressure, right? you uh, One saving grace is like, we don't market ourselves as a primary data store. We'll be yeah. like, hey, your primary data store are these uh, technologies that have been around for 20, 30 years. Right. Trust them MySQL, Postgres. Like that's, that's your, that's your primary database and search engine is like an auxiliary data store, very specialized for certain types of use cases.
0: Exactly. So you actually, you know, take a, you know, it's a replica of the, in the primary one. Now, uh, so you mentioned about, you know, like, you know, the, uh, in the the evolution, like, you know, there was a point where actually guys actually were open core, then you guys actually went to SaaS, right? Uh, How was that journey? And I would actually go more deeper into that. Because uh, data first, you know, privacy first is actually it's a it's a evolving theme, and that's actually one of the reasons a lot of the a lot of the guys actually like to move away from you know like uh, you know move away from their traditional legacy you know uh, search engine to actually open source. But you guys actually you know went to a different path altogether, right? I mean, you first actually with Open score, then actually you know what? I mean, I I want to hear out that version.
1: Yeah. So at one point, uh, we decided that we wanted to monetize the product, uh, and we would. Thinking about different models, and the most obvious one at that point was an open core model. So we figured that maybe there are some features that are more useful for larger enterprises uh, or people with uh, you know serious production level uh, use cases. So we figured let's put that behind uh, uh, you know a feature flag or I guess maybe a paywall uh, and put that as the enterprise or the Premium version, we called it. Uh, so we did that. We, you know, went to the, ex- you know, we went to the extent of building out two b- different build uh, pipelines. We had a licensing server. Everything. We put it out there, and the learning that we had over uh, over the time when the premium version was out in the market was that the features that were not used by people, like more people, and it sounds obvious And if you think about it in hindsight, the features that are not used by people the most tended to be the least stable. So, which means that if we have less paying users and more people using the free and open source version, we found that the free and open source features were much more stable than the, uh, uh, paid, uh, paid features because we didn't have as many, uh, paying customers, uh, for the premium version. So that was one thing where, you know, there was a less. number of eyes on that portion of the uh of the feature set and that was you know it kind of also is a hard thing where you're also charging for it so people might expect even more stability there but just the way that the usage patterns are it tends to be that the paid features are the ones that are the, 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 the that are the least used so that was one uh one thing that we learned which is interesting uh and then we figured that it also was starting to uh, like people weren't able to try the paid features. I mean, we could have done a free yeah, trial, but then how do you give out a binary with a free trial? That it, it became a little hairy there. So which mean, meant that we couldn't do a free trial. So people had to pay it before they can use the feature. So, it, 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 And which meant that we had to have a very good landing page, like a marketing landing page, explaining what these features are and why they would want to use it and convince someone just by our landing page that they would want to pay for it. Uh, and it it just became too uh, too hard, and we realized that this might also hurt the adoption of the product. And at that point, adoption was a key thing uh, for us. So all of this was happening, and in the meantime, in parallel, uh, you know, uh, twenty twenty came around, and then you know we made it to the front page of Hacker News, and people were asking. Algolia users started uh, 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 showing up, and and then after th- those users started asking for a hosted version. We were like oh wait there is actual demand for a hosted version like people are asking us for it that if we'd built this right now people would start paying for it that's when we realized that oh there is an alternate uh uh, uh monetization model here that we could offer hosted services and that would then allow us to also open source the rest of the thing and not have to worry about all the other downsides that come with an with an open core uh, uh model so that was a nice Coincidence that happened and that when we said okay, let's use SAS as the uh, monetization model at that point we said let's just open source everything and uh, We said let's do 100% open source and and turns out that we did iron out a couple of bugs that were in the stable version once we open source it fully, which you know, which I'm glad we did so theory proved in uh, practice uh, multiple times over and over again. Uh, and then uh, like that also helped with adoption like all these some of the features that we built are only in like for example in algolia's premium tiers and you know we've yep. been able to put it in the free and open source version so that that helped with uh, uh product adoption as well uh so overall right now uh, oh another thing also was you know we we were always you know when we built a new feature we would always be like oh should this be in the premium version or should it be in the open source version and that was a that was a you know we had to come up with a like a framework to say uh or, or we would have had to come up with a framework to decide that feature after feature after feature and and you know the obvious thing that uh you know if you have an element of collaboration then you could say oh you could put all the collaboration features in a premium version and only teams need it etc but type sense is a data store like it's there's no collaboration aspects to it uh, uh, so there's it, it was very we figured it'd be very hard to keep having that conversation over and over again Uh, And so sum total of all of that, right now we're 100% open source, like the entire product is free. In fact, we run the same version of Typesense uh, that we published in our open source releases. The same thing is what we run in the uh, SaaS version as well. And that actually has had more benefits for us where uh, in this, any of the improvements that we, or the learnings that we have when we run Typesense in production, we're able to then incorporate that back into the open source product and help improve the open source product for the rest of the community as well. So it's kind of become this nice virtuous cycle of us you know, kind of dog fooding our own uh, product in production, running it at scale, taking the learnings from that firsthand and baking it back into the open source product and then pushing it out to the community. And then we're able to upgrade uh, uh, existing customers cl- uh, Clusters to the latest version, and then everyone, you know, I, I feel like it's a nice symbiotic relationship now between the SaaS version and the and the oh, I shouldn't say SaaS version, the SaaS service and the uh, oh, and and the core product, I should say
0: got it got it uh, sas is actually i mean i mean you guys mentioned about you know being the you know the data store right but uh, you know i mean as we evolve like you know the privacy and you know all those old, sort of you know concerns come up right how do you guys actually tackle that bit
2: i think with search one of the unique things is like a lot of the data is open right uh, anyway it's going to be open on your site you are searching a site for example which is already open data. For a large uh, number of users, this is not a problem. Uh, mm. privacy is not, a. compared to let's say an analytics or something where the data is like quite private and uh, it needs like eyes only within your company. I don't think this is a big issue for a lot of people is what I think. Uh, of course, there are always classes of uh, use cases like pe- healthcare domain or, you know, like.
0: regular industries. Pe- people
2: from more traditional traditional industries and tra- like they, they have Uh, very strict NDAs and so on where they don't want that data Uh, and it's not like we stopped um, supporting uh, customers who want to host it themselves it's just that we give both, we give that option uh, and then we just have a support plan for people uh, who want to host it themselves and generally the kind of people who want to do that are are well aware, like they are mature companies, mature teams. They have they are able to take it forward from uh, it. with some help from us. Uh,
0: but my question was actually mostly around uh, not the data you guys actually store, but you know the you know data you capture to actually make your product better, right? I mean that that is the gold mine, right? I mean how many people actually search for let's say you know like this particular chair? I mean in e-commerce sites. I mean but so that would be the concern for most of these guys, right? I'm just I'm just wondering, you know, if I I was a customer and I'm I'm thinking about hey became open source, uh, SaaS production. How do you actually manage that particular thing when, when a customer asks you that question?
1: Hmm. So for the SaaS version specifically, so w- one thing that we've designed it is so that every customer gets their own dedicated clusters. So Got there's it. no commingling of data. So that's one big thing that uh, allays some con- uh, concerns or uh, concerns from uh, some people. Uh, the other thing is we don't collect any IP addresses at all. That's you know from a GDPR perspective, that's personal information. So we've that's, so it's easy to pass GDPR compliance yeah. there for us. Uh, so we basically do the minimal amount of data collection as possible that we can get away with. Uh, and uh, and even for example, analytics. If you want to know how many people are searching for X. We, our recommendation right now is that people instrument it on the client side so that as people are searching for stuff, it goes to their web analytics tool along with the rest of their data uh, so that, for example, you can correlate session data or conversion rate with, your, with search terms, for example. Those are things that even if we collected that, it would be very hard uh, to attribute conversion rates to search terms or number of pages visited to search terms. These are things that are best done by the by web analytics tool. So we've asked people to 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 do that. So we basically don't store any state uh, information except for the data that you index in uh, uh, In typesense. Now we do have counts on requests per second and you know the latency of requests, but all of that is just aggregates of data. Uh, We don't actually store any identifying user behavior uh, uh, data at the moment. So that helps We've And we've gone through a couple of these compliance processes with larger customers, and it helps to have as minimum data as possible. Uh, some people are even surprised that we're able to operate a service like this. Uh, yeah. But, uh, Search is actually
0: but, very tricky, right? Especially when, when you <laughs> actually have, you know, <laughs> which is actually my, you know, follow-up question, uh, which is around, like, you know, I mean, what's happening in, you know, uh, I mean, so if you look at, you know, Google right now, there are like a couple of interesting competitors for them in the consumer space. There's Neva, These is like, hey, you know, uh, we don't do anything. Uh, we don't actually, you know, I mean, we don't even actually like, not uh, store your data more than 90 days, right? It's, it's not driven by ads, built by ex-Googlers. Uh, there is, you know, Bra- uh, 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 Brave actually bought their own, uh, you know, uh, search engine. So the, like a couple of interesting aspects happening out there. How do you guys actually get that bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we that's one thing that we haven't, explored is maybe pitching ourselves as a privacy-friendly uh, <laughs> site and app search engine. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I don't know if that'll be a stronger sell than what we have right now, which is open-source alternative to Algolia and easy-to-use alternative to Elasticsearch. No, I, so I, I, I would me, say,
0: like, you no, know, there, there is always a niche. Uh, I think, especially with the ca- new California uh, privacy rules, uh, I, I, I keep talking to a lot of the SaaS P2B companies and, like, sort of, they're sort of worried. I mean, I, I know you already took care of that bit with actually, like, you know, separating the customer, you know, in different clusters. But, you know, I think a uh, pe- lot of the, lot of the uh, you know, venture capitalists we talk about, they think there is a way for, you know, these new generation guys who are actually sort of in like, you know, make sure they don't actually pry on customer data for their improvement or like, you know, I mean, so I think definitely there is, at least actually, I mean, especially when I talk to open source, that's a huge, huge, you know, uh, thing, you know, they push for. But in your case, because it's such a big market, uh, you know, uh you can definitely like you know, I mean I mean definitely over the course of time actually you can actually, you know, like uh bring that as a differentiation. But I think you have a big enough market to actually tackle. So I think I don't think that actually that's something you need to actually worry about right now. But I'm glad actually, actually you guys actually already think about thinking about it and like you know moving forward on that bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. But but that's a good point. I think maybe we'll probably mention it somewhere at least in the SAS landing page to say hey we're not collecting any data yeah to to make people happy from the get-go but uh, yeah that's a, that's a good idea
0: now something very interesting for me you know your life's actually gpl it's not a gpl right and uh, with the so- sort of you know like stuff happening around i want to know why, why you guys actually with the jp gpl route there is sentry there uh, is I, i'm sure actually like search right you know you guys know the story right so <laughs>
1: yep, yep. yep. I mean, it's uh, it it's it's it is a uh, thing that we've considered deeply, uh, I should say, but I think what is encouraging for us is that if you think about it, Linux uses GPL. and yeah. to me, that's the biggest success of an open source project. Uh, and if TypeSense reaches that level of adoption or that level of uh, 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 I guess you could say, uh, flavors of uh, of typesense that exist uh, that service different things and that is forced that's that caused by gpl then i you know I'd, I'd be a happy camper now there, there's of course some philosophical things there like you could make the argument that uh you know something like uh, an mit license for example could allow people to fork typesense and then take it close source and then not open source the changes that they did, which MIT yeah, really. completely allows for. Yep, yep. And for us, for the amount of effort and sweat, blood, and tears that we've invested as, especially as a nights and weekends project and now as a full-time thing, we'd hate to see that happen. Like we'd, it, it is an open source uh, product at the end of the day. Yeah. And we want people who are, who want to improve Typesense to contribute back uh, 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 into the ecosystem. And I, And I think that's something that I love about GPL. Now, of course that does leave the gaping hole of, you know, the uh, one of the large cloud providers uh, yep, yep. offering a hosted version, that's definitely the risk there. But on the flip side, I feel like uh, AGPL, unfortunately, feels a little too
0: broad. It's very, that it's very restrictive for a lot of folks. I completely agree.
1: Right. And I've seen like, I, you know, ironically, I've been on the other side of this where when a project used GPL, AGPL at my previous companies, like I would hesitate and ask my teams to not to use AGPL license software. And now I realize that, you know, it's probably uh, not fair to have uh, thought about that way. But there's so much of, you know, uh, uh, the FUD around uh, AGPL that also freaks out legal teams and it's hard to convince your legal team, especially if you're going through multiple rounds of funding and yep. you have due diligence every round. And like the M&A lawyers are like, you know, very uh, particular on any projects that use AGPL licenses in your stack. And then they have to assess it more for. So even if you pass all the AGPL checks of, of uh, you know, around distribution of, of, of source and you've isolated everything and not modify the distribu- uh, binary and put it on a separate instance, et cetera, et cetera, there's still just the, process of going through the notions of proving to a lawyer for example that you're using a particular product in an agpl compliant way i think that's sufficient friction for people to adopt a, a product and that's the last thing that we want to do is for people to freak out and not adopt uh type sense just because of all the cumbersome things that they might have to go through uh, uh to adopt an agpl product into the into the market but what i'm hoping though is that now that i know more about agpl that i can maybe tell my past self and others who uh it, it's, are it's uh, worth you know, for
2: the project right the a in agpl almost like is allergic gpl like that's <laughs> the, when you speak with like people it is, it that's is, what yeah. you get
0: but see from it I'm, I'm talking from you guys perspective right i think see there is always a perspective of the consumer and you guys and now there's a third party uh, the cloud uh, cloud cloud based service providers which are big enough to actually like, you know i mean so i think ila search sentry are like you know sort of you know like you know i mean uh i don't know whether they, they are actually setting the right example i mean i'm i'm not perving to actually like you know uh, you know to that particular angle but that's a that's a huge you know change in the overall industry right i mean these are like i mean guys people look up to right uh, when it comes to open source so i think uh how you guys look at that bit
2: but but let's be honest right i think uh, y- there is a popular project which has a agpl license which hasn't prevented a popular cloud provider from not forking it but just using their api with a different data store under the hood yeah. um, i think you'll know what i'm talking yep, about yep. Uh, that hasn't stopped so the way we feel the way, the way i say the way i the way we see it at least we have discussed this uh, multiple times uh, is um, no license really protects you from uh, from that uh, potential, because we are just too way too small. Uh, when you compare like the big cloud players when they enter the market, when they decide that they will offer a equivalent service, um, yeah, that's that's their sad reality, right? Uh, and uh, so we have to like balance between what is good for the community and what is good for the for the project for from an immediate surviving uh, like you know uh, survival point of view. No, I so that's the, no, I, I completely yeah. get it. Yeah, yep, Jason.
1: Yeah, and and I think I'm, and I hope that at least uh, going through the Elasticsearch saga, that the general community, especially people working at these cloud providers, have learned, you know, the good and uh, not so good way to handle, you know, when uh, when you're integrating with an open source or offering an open source project as a as a hosted service. And what I'm hoping is that if when uh, sorry. When we reach that stage, is that we're able to partner with these folks and that we have a good working relationship with them? That you know we're actually able to support them in them offering this as a uh a service because sure, you know, offering it under the umbrella of a larger cloud provider definitely also benefits us because it it provides more distribution for uh, uh for TypeSense and uh it also helps larger teams you know more traditional. Uh, folks as well who will probably want centralized billing of all their cloud services under one umbrella, like it's it's those are places that we might not be able to reach, and AWS or GCP or you know Azure, like these folks have made it into those large uh, settings, and for us to be able to offer our service under the under that umbrella, I, I feel like only increases our market uh, market share. Uh, so I I'm hoping that if any of them are thinking about. Uh, uh uh offering something like type sense that that we can we can have that conversation first yeah
0: i think i think definitely but 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 uh you know i think uh, what i understand like you know you guys actually you know still build for speed and you know you guys think like you know hey this is a time actually like you no we should actually you know, i mean just focus on you know make it seamless for people to pick it up and use it right which i get it but i think uh i i believe that actually guys also you know like see this as a evolving you know uh, i mean especially when you guys evolve as a company you guys getting bigger and bigger you guys always have this you know like thought process like you know, i mean how you guys how how they look at you guys right i think because i think if i am wrong last Search also was offered by aws at some point and and you know and if you look at aws or amazon for that matter you know look at the private labels right that's a different story altogether so i def- i'm definitely sure actually like you no know, <laughs> they have similar philosophies in their aws yeah kishore is saying something
2: Yeah, see the revenue pressure and the growth pressure, right, that plays a huge role because when you are starting out as a project, you want uh, more eyeballs, Uh, you really don't think about uh, your license, what it implies, but when you raise, when you become a public company or even when you raise several rounds of funding and you have a growth story now to like protect. Um, and I'm sure like many of the cloud providers, uh, in cases where this thing has blown up, Elastic being the most uh, famous example, I, there are others. I'm sure some back of the... Uh, there mu- I, I I don't. I think that there must have been some effort to like partner and something like that. I would like to believe that uh, that happened, but just probably didn't 55 because at that scale, uh, probably, you know, you'll be like, hey, it's my cake, I want to eat it myself. Right. So, that is where the real friction comes and uh, we, we that is one of the reasons uh, uh, we are very careful about you know like the growth story, we do not want to like get to a point where that becomes you're, you're, you should not be forced to like you know make those kind of decisions, um, Yeah, it remains to be seen how it will test our metal, but, uh, but I think at least we are sufficiently prepared for that. Uh, uh, that's, that's the honest assessment as of now. Yeah.
0: No, I think, I think it's a, it's a, I mean, the way I look at it, it's, it's an evolving, you know, hypothesis, right? I mean, every stage actually, you know, whenever it gets big, get bigger and who are going to partner with, uh, you know, that definitely going to change your perspective. as said, well. and, but, I but think we
2: would like to, but we would like to like not have our growth and revenue pressure drive that decision when it comes to that. We, we are very clear on that. Okay. Awesome.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, that, that brings to the, you know, discussion around community, right? Uh, how do you guys look at community as a as a integral part of TypeSense?
1: Yeah, for us, I mean, like I mentioned uh, earlier, one of the downsides of using C is that it's hard to attract contributors to uh, the TypeSense core, uh, which is built in C. But one of the nice things that has started happening uh, is that people are like we. Of course, a, the search engine is one thing, but then you need integrations around the search engine uh and if there are integrations that exist in a particular language that helps people using that language to you know uh, to integrate instead of call- we do have a rest api so you can use any http client but if you have a native uh uh, uh library in a particular language it kind- slightly provides a more idiomatic way to access the typesense api so given that we're now starting to see a slow interest in folks wanting to contribute to integrations in different languages, so that's that's where we're starting to see community growth, uh, and I'm glad that that's happening because we're not experts in every single programming language out there, uh, and we. That's where I see us partnering with the community in launching more of these integrations. So there's the first layer of integrations with just the languages, uh, like for example, we just a Ruby client, and then there's the next layer where you have framework integrations. You know, if you take the Ruby example, then it's we want a Ruby on Rails integration, a Sinatra integration. Uh, uh, so it's it's those sequences of uh, or uh, stages of integration. I think where we'd want to see or we're planning to build our uh, uh, communities around. That's uh, that's one aspect of community. The other aspect, of course, I I I like to call anyone who asks us a question or points out interesting use cases as also part of the community. Uh, uh, as well just because they're nudging us in certain directions and and you know community driven roadmap uh uh plays into that uh so from that perspective like folks who are actively engaging with us in helping shape certain features uh you know uh you know'm I'm, I'm grateful grateful that uh, that there's a mutual exchange of value there where if we built a feature in a way that they want to use it then you know they get value from that we're able to build something that's uh you know that's Battle tested for multiple use cases and then not just one particular uh, use case that we might ha- imagine or might even get wrong if we didn't build without a without that particular set of uh, users so that's that's a that's a nice thing uh, and then uh, this we haven't seen as much of, and I hope we uh, we start getting more is people creating more uh, tutorials and 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 uh, videos or uh uh, guides on how to do certain things in different uh uh, settings like we took a stab at writing some basic articles but uh there's only so much time we have there's you know there's building the product and and uh uh, writing documentation itself is a big enough uh uh, thing but i'm hoping that we're able to get more contributions on uh, uh on on i guess spreading awareness and spreading knowledge of how to use typesense in different uh Uh, uh, different settings got it if
2: I may just add one thing uh, from a I think one of the one of the uh, learnings that we had is like if you if you're running open source project and you want greater participation go for a slack community or some you know discord get some uh, something like that right it really helps like keep your community together and over yeah and over time it's a lot better I mean it's a double edged sword because now people will want real time support yeah. uh, but maybe the benefits free support. out, out uh, yeah the ben- <laughs> yeah free support and uh, b- but but i feel like the benefits outweigh um Definitely. Like, you know any yeah any negatives there and we have also seen like other community members step up and like answer some questions uh, when we were not around, uh, and to answer that. So, but that has we, we really could uh, feel that the community coming together and our collaboration increasing post our like uh, Slack community launch. Um, so that if you're if you're running an open source project and you want like kind of fast forward the whole thing, right? Uh, I would I would go I would really highly recommend like starting a Slack community.
0: Yep. Yep uh i mean that's something actually i heard and that's something actually you know i heard from a lot of maintenance where actually at certain points Slack is super expensive and like people gotta s- switch to discord right so <laughs> yeah, anyway I, but i think you guys I actually we, reach the, i mean that's that's a good problem to have right uh, yep
1: you know what we were actually just talking about this like two hours ago. So <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I i yeah. i
0: hear a lot from maintainers like slack is great but freak man that's expensive <laughs> But, but one, one of the things, actually, I, I also able to see you guys actually also run o- open office hours, right? I mean, uh, how often do you guys do that? actually like, I mean, it's like part of, you know, like, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, and I mean, how, how you know, like, how uh, you know, responsive is the community in terms of setting up, you know, office, open office hours? I mean, taking advantage of that.
1: Yeah, so it's funny how that came along. So <laughs> someone posted on Hacker News saying that. Uh, running open office hours.
0: For oh, that's happened like two, three months project. back. Yes, yes, yes. So that was <laughs> my motivation okay.
1: for setting that up. And I've had a grand total of zero people sign <laughs>
0: up okay. for office hours.
1: <laughs> Though it exists and I'm saying I'm, I'm going happy to do this. So I think something about uh, being on, like uh, talking face-to-face, we've had more people just join Slack and ask questions rather than face-to-face. So I, I don't know. I I don't know how uh, the other person who posted that post found such good success with that, but uh, I know I would be hesitate to sign yeah, up for off or th- that, know, as a consumer I would hesitate to sign up with, for office. That's all. those things so.
0: about developers, right? I think they, they. We
2: think. We think. We think it's the audience, like as you say, developers, right? Yeah. And, and I, it, I can tell you that it's not just the office hours. Like uh, when somebody signs up for TypeSense Cloud, we send them a mail, like, yeah. uh, like not automated, like we send them sometimes by email hey, we saw that, Do you need any help? Crickets no no response nothing but few weeks later you see them adding a card so it's like don't talk to us uh, and take my money right yeah. that's that's the that's the motto there yeah yeah no i think i think office hours
0: actually uh, definitely got to be like you know i think it's more like i think uh, uh the way we see like at least when we talk to you know a lot of the maintainers uh, uh, the I mean Slack is actually the first Delta. Then you know like you know I mean you actually start you know like doing events which are most like you know I mean uh, M to N where actually like, you know you have like multiple folks and actually like you know, one person. Then you know once they get a sense of who you are, they're gonna like you know do one one to one. That's the way the evolution happens. Like you can't expect like these guys to actually I mean like hey what I want to talk to Jason. They're superly like scared to do that. Trust me. uh I, I I spoke to a lot of these you know middle level folks uh, in a lot of the big open source companies and uh, they are sort of even scared to actually like, you know ask a question on Stack Overflow because you know they they I mean if that sort of backfires they they sort of worried actually you know I mean their seniors or like their you know their senior guys are sort of hey you know what this guy actually post something like very extremely juvenile of our brand right so they're scared of that so there's like multiple you know like emotional layer before actually like, you know they reach and hey you know what I want to talk to Jason so. You know stay tuned uh you have to actually like take a lot more baby steps to reach there <laughs>
1: oh interesting so so you're saying that events with multiple people participating is a much yeah you know, is a is a step that we need to take before even office yeah. hours
0: yeah because i think events actually where like you know i mean yeah uh, they can ask questions and like you know i mean there is a lot of phase you could answer from them then they're gonna get comfortable like i mean they won't actually understand who you are right before because i think uh open source have couple of problems and one is actually like you know being not very rude I think I was looking for a different objective but <laughs> and and uh, uh, there there are multiple like you know I mean uh, you know I, I Time and time we talk to maintainers, they talk about, you know, like, you know, sort of, you know, like poisonous behavior of multiple, you know, community members and maintainers. So, you know, there are like multiple issues that actually already part of the ecosystem, which I sort of, you know, people, people sort of experience. So, you know, like, you know, I mean, they always actually want to, like, you know, make sure, like, you know, they get hang of it. They know you are then actually, you know, I mean, they started, you know, like, you know, talking more and more, you know, trying to do like each to one on ones.
2: Touchwood. Thankfully, we have never had that kind of like aggressive or you know passive aggressive kind of behavior yeah uh, you know it's a very uh, things come up on hacker news often right you see that like you know people demanding a lot from a open source project and uh, but thankfully like we've net we had like we have an awesome community I feel like we've never had that kind of issues yeah
0: that's good to know that's great I think you guys actually you know I mean doing this for like almost six years uh building a really fantastic project actually with a large uh, you know uh, I mean, in you know, a potential market and a lot more, you know, users going to like, you know, love you guys. So, uh, you know, if somebody is actually starting out right now, I mean, this actually, this is something I keep asking anyone, any media I, I always actually interact with. What would be the, what would be the advice for those guys? You know, I mean, they're starting this thing. Like where, where, where what, what are the things, you know, what are the pitfalls you guys experience or like the, you know, like, you know the, you know, the two cents from you guys in terms of like, you know, I mean, doing this thing like the right way or the, your way.
2: Yeah. Um so um this is going to come up in our blog uh, pretty soon when we when we post um and the title that i've been toying with my head i think that will like serve as a good uh, like two cents from here is the unreasonable effectiveness of just showing up every day um i feel that kind of sums up uh, like if it's just one thing that you want to do uh just show up every day uh like you know write some code uh make it happen because invariably um uh, the perseverance is a, like, a, like an unfair advantage that you can use. Uh, a lot of projects will die, a lot of maintainers will move on to the next shiny thing. Um, and if you are just there, you pick a large enough problem and you feel like you are adding a lot of value, you might not have 100% of that value today. But as long as you work towards it and as like, other people in the race drop off uh, at various points, suddenly you find yourself at the top of the game.
0: Uh, tears in my eyes because actually this is something I keep telling every uh, every entrepreneurs out there. Like perseverance is actually a very underappreciated thing. Uh, people always want to look at the <laughs> next shiny thing and jump on. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, being available, being showing up—that's a—that's a tough thing, you know. Uh, especially when you see very small delta, and especially when you run a startup, you know, like there are days where actually, like, you know, you don't want actually, like to wake up, right? Uh, I, I've been there, I've seen that, so. Uh, Thanks for pointing it out.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I'd say from my side, one thing is to first think about what problem you're trying to solve before even building the thing that you have in mind uh, because, and I would say even write that down uh, and say, even if it's like a quick one pager saying that here's the problem that I'm trying to solve and here's who I think will have this problem. and Here's how I'm going to solve it. And more importantly, here's how I'm going to reach those people who have this problem. So I think that tackles, you know, the aspect of you want to make sure that you're not building something. Of course, you should always have fun side projects that you're working on just to play around with cool new stuff. Like, I'm I'm not talking about that, but if you intend to at some point monetize or, or, or build a large product around your, with paying customers, then I'd say, make sure you're not building it just because you think this might be a problem, like, define what that problem is, make sure that you've spoken to a couple of people that they've also run into this issue. Uh, And then also find out how you'll be able to get find those users because distribution is going to be a huge thing for uh, 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 for products, just because you solve it for a small portion of people that might not mean, you know, others will automatically find it. So these are these are some things I think, if you think the the sooner you think about, the less wasted cycles you'll have in in building something that either no one else has a problem around, or uh, you've built it and it's great, but then you know a tree falling in the forest is you know no one knows about it. So you want to make sure that people know about the, like how do you how do you get people to know about the thing that you're working on? So uh, I think these are things. The sooner you figure out, the better your uh, uh, journey is or i should say the seemingly easier your journey will 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 look like because without figuring out any of these you're going to spend so much time you know running around in circles uh uh, and and had you focused your energy on all of these figuring these out earlier you might have saved all of that and also saved some cycles in how long of a journey this uh, this is gonna be uh and and save yourself from some Uh, burnout maybe in the process
0: hey uh thanks 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 uh kishore and jason thanks for your time guys you know i mean it's it's been a really honor like it's it's fantastic you know knowing how you guys actually build it you know like there's a lot of nuance I, I, i i i like i i hope you are unbundled over the course of time thanks for your time i know you guys are busy you know uh we will we'll make sure like you know this is actually one of the most uh, you know uh, pushed out or like you know I mean heard uh, podcast in our whole series.
1: Awesome! Thank you for having us. This is this is great. Thank you for having us. All right, guys.
0: All right, that that's a wrap. And thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in for this podcast. And there's plenty of interesting stuff happening on wheel with the to open source. We we are on putting tons of really interesting projects and if you're an expert or if someone actually actually actively contributing just as a coder or someone actually you know i mean um you know building content around open source projects make sure you sign up for avail because we have something that actually is tuned for you it's gonna help you in terms of you know use your skills at a much larger stage so uh do tune in do check out the thanks once again be safe take care